Hello, everyone. Welcome to Anime Ichiban, Goomba Stomp's dedicated po- anime podcast. This is the ultimate episode of it's Anime Ichiban. It's the last episode. It's final. The l- that up. It's the last episode, and you fucked up the intro. <laughs> no, you didn't hear it. You didn't hear it. You didn't hear nothing. You didn't hear anything. Whatever. What a brilliant way to end this yeah. podcast. We scuffed in the beginning, scuffed in the end. That's the only way we can have this yes. podcast. Yes, yes, everyone. Welcome to Anime Each Bond Podcast. Goomba Stops. Anime dedicated to the... Yeah, I'm trying to fuck it up even podcast. more. Now it's harder to cast fuck it up. Podcast yeah. Podcast. Past, yeah, podcast pod. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me ribbing on my ribs is the lovely Harry Morris and the lovely Kyle Rogashone. Yes. As always, we're here for one last hurrah this is the last, last episode of the, got, it the before, last... got it before the end of the year yeah yeah it, it took us a while to get here we unfortunately got really 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 busy um towards mm. the end of the year which again is part of the reason we're we're bringing this chapter of the podcast to a close but now we're here we wanted to make sure that we weren't trying to rush this episode we wanted to give it the attention that it really deserves and so just to launch right into that i wanted to just ask you to uh, thinking back on the three years, it's been three years that we've been doing this podcast. For oh, now. damn. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what are some of your favorite moments from the podcast that you can, that you've had so far or oh, throughout I, this journey? Yeah, yeah, I'll say favorite. Um, <laughs> I think one of the ones that I still remember is when we were talking about Madoka, um, I binged like the entire series and the movies. And then we recorded like that. Mo- yeah. So I like stayed up all night and then I was done at like 7 a.m. And like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to be recording and talking about Monica in like two hours. So that's fun. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, I remember that. You were like very, very raw impressions of the third movie right off. Oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I had just watched it, just finished yeah. it. And I guess mild spoilers, but damn, Homura. Oof. Yep. Yep. <laughs> going to be really curious to see what that fourth movie is like. I, I remember because I when we were getting ready for that segment, I had only rewatched the third movie. Uh, I didn't rewatch everything before that. And so you were coming off with like fresh impressions for the entire ep- because I, I've never even done that where I've gotten like watched the entire story in a small mm-hmm. amount of time. So if I were if we were back on that podcast, if I listen back on that episode, yeah, it's rough because like the end of I'd say like the last third of the series and then all of the movies are just like pretty high emotionally intense. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just, so it, it, it's rough. Like, they crank up that stress meter up to 11 and just never, never mm-hmm. let go of it. But what about you, Harry? What have, what have some of your favorite just, anime H1 moments or fate most memorable? I was trying to think now it's just such a weird one because like I was thinking about like rather than specific moments for whole journey and how like, so we, it was started three years ago. And I think at the time I was the editor of the anime section. Um, and I think like, I initially I was hosting it, wasn't I? This is how long yep. it's been. I can't even remember that I used to host it. So I used to host this. <laughs> and um it was just it started just kind of like as a little because I really wanted to go into writing as a career. Um and I was like, oh, you know, wouldn't it be great if I had a little a little podcast on the side just to put on my CV? And then kind of like I realized, 
oh, being a writer is really, really difficult. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'm one of millions of people gunning for that career. Um, and I live in a tiny village in the middle of nowhere in England and do location and logistics. It's just not super feasible. Um, but we continue doing the podcast regardless because it was good fun. Um, I went through some tough stuff in my personal life. So I dropped out being an anime editor and I kind of stepped back from being the host because like, I think it's safe to say that you're a bit of a genius when it comes to all this stuff. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I'm, I'm the guy who loves anime, don't get me wrong, but like I'm always kind of playing catch up on a lot of stuff. So um, yeah, I think it was the right decision to kind of swap that round. Um, and it's just been a really a weird but fun journey. And to think it's been three years, it doesn't feel like it, it feels like a year and a mm-hmm. half, two years tops. Doesn't feel like three years. It really doesn't. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been just a cool journey and, and quite surreal, to be honest. Yeah, when when I looked back on when that first episode was, I was also surprised. Like, it's been that long? Really? Mm. No, no. So, and, so we, we started in 18, did we? 2018. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's It's been a while. We kept it up more or less regularly for that whole time. Like we we, yeah. we missed an episode here or there. We may have had to delay it up. So, but we never went on like a break. Um, we never went on a hiatus. We we kept it up that whole three years. Um, this 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 time zone juggling shenanigans. I think, <laughs> I feel given, like- given it's our last episode, I have to ask as well, does anyone listen to the podcast? Like, I don't know. <laughs> does anyone listen to this? Yes, we- we we have we have our very small audience each episode for sure. Okay, cool. Um, that we get it, it's not nothing huge, but we do have we do have people that come and check. And quantity who knows? Maybe it'll quantity. be a bit of a spike. Yeah, I really I, hope I we, we retire the podcast when we get a huge like surge of viewership. And there was one. There was a there was a stretch of time I have no idea what's happening when our viewership surged to like four thousand. Oh yeah, I remember episode. you were thinking it was yeah. like bots or something. Yeah, I was so confused. And then it came right back down after a while. I'm like, what What happened? <laughs> where did they come from and where did they go? Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, where I still- did, Where I, did they come from, Cotton Eye Joe? All right, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that that is a mystery that will remain unsolved to the end of time. If, if any of you know what happened, if you were like a big influencer that just shared our podcast, please tweet at me. I, I still want to know what happened in those, those halcyon days, so to speak. Um, one, one moment that I just- will always remember, I feel like, is when I created and subjected you to to the real or fake isekai game. Oh my God. Do you remember that? Mm, yeah. 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 That, it was, that was good. That was definitely a highlight, actually. That was good fun. Yeah. It, it, I was just having fun with my friends in my Discord server one day because we were like bragging on isekai because as it rightly deserves as a genre and we were just making up all these stupid names. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is an idea. And so I just recruited my whole server. We just made a whole document of fake isekai names. I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be fun. And I had so much fun subjecting you two to that list. You were in such disbelief in how some of these were real and just like in the creativity of some of the names I came up with as well. Um, yeah, it, uh, there was news recently that an isekai is getting made... Uh, A light novel isekai is getting an anime adaptation. I don't remember the name of it, but the premise is that the main character reincarnates into this world as a pig because he ate raw pig liver and got food poisoning and died. They're they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel now. Yeah, I'm just like, what? (laughs) Like, isekai was already an overused trope when we started recording. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. When, when, when was SEO? If, we, if I look back. It was like 2014. SEO was like 2013, 2014. 
When, when was the year that the Fire Nation attacked? It was... Don't tell me it was 2013. It's been a while, yeah. It was 2012. Oh, Lord. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was, it was a long time ago. So, yeah, Isekai had long, long, long had its... Had its Start its reign at the top for sure. You can just mm. make an isekai of anything, and it will at least like do well enough to get your return back. I feel like it, it's like it's like it's the like FPS gotcha. genre of games now. Yeah, okay. I, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. M- much like that genre of games, I just don't really see the appeal. It just really doesn't mm-hmm. excite me or interest me. Mm-hmm. I remember watching Sword Art Online back in the day when I was a teenager and being like, "This is so cool." Um, but that was when I'd only seen like a handful of anime, and, and I was quite new to it still. But um, yeah. Yeah, in hindsight, I'm not really a fan. Um, and yeah, just not for me personally. Yeah, and the, the really sad part about it is that there is a lot of room for a potential to tell interesting isekai stories. Like yeah. there's a lot of different ways that haven't been touched on. For example, like one aspect of isekai stories they never focus on is like, what about the people that were left behind in our world? Like all too often, the protagonist is someone who's like, I don't care, or they're like a shut-in. Um, and then they get a second chance at life, blah, blah, blah. Like, where's the kind of story where they take someone who had an established life and they just disappeared from their world and just kind of like coming to terms um, with that fact that I just left like my wife behind or my boyfriend or whatever or my children and like they're freaking out that they just this person just disappeared one day. Mm. I feel like that there's a lot of room for that. And there's the, the ideas go on from there. The problem is that. 99% of isekai just follow the same isekai template over and over and over again because that's all Does they that need to do. They don't need to be creative. I mean, can apathetic teenage boy protagonists just fuck off, please? I mean, teenage boy protagonists in general, I'm just fucking sick of it. Like, I'm just so <laughs> bored of it. Like, just give me anything a bit different. Well, that's on, <laughs> that, that's, that sentiment's only going to stay the same the older you get. Because, yeah. you know, I guess newsflash, we're not teenage boys anymore. I know. We'll one day be old men waving our canes at the clouds, <laughs> and then we will be the meme. Mm. <laughs> that's something that that's something I appreciate about uh, Mushoko Tensei that, uh, that's been airing the past few seasons, though. Even though it has like some very glaring <laughs> problems, for sure, that I won't go into. But in the end of the day, it was written. The light novel was written around the same time as Sao, before Sao kind of like jettisoned the isekai genre into the mainstream. And so at the time, you couldn't just write any isekai story, and you would do gangbusters like. So Mushiko Tensei was running away. He's like, I'm going to just like write an isekai, but I'm going to build this very intricate world with its own policies and politics and interactions between characters. Um, I'm going to basically make a traditional fantasy story just with one of our people in it. And it works. And that's why it's so good and such a breath of fresh air today. But now, again, like isekai authors don't need to go to that effort to make their story success. So mm-hmm. it's unfortunate. I would like to see more, but I did enjoy that game we played. I, I wanted to make more games like that, but man, it's it was effort, unfortunately. Mm. It it was it was a lot of fun, but it was also like, oh, spending a lot of time on making these kinds of games. <laughs> yeah. But in mind it was, doing it it definitely people. a highlight though. Now now you remind me of it. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. All righty. So since this is our last episode, I'm not going to do any sort of headlines or anything like that. Um d- doesn't really make sense to. I am going to, we are going to wrap up our, our trip through the decade though, because we, can, <laughs> how long have we been doing this now? I should have checked that. When, 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 when did we start? Probably. Doing the it? Beginning it of the year. I think it's been throughout the year. Yeah. Yeah. I, it had to have been 
Yeah, it had. I think it probably was at the start of the year that we've been doing this. And we were like, yeah, this will be like a few episodes and then we'll go back to finding more main topics again. And then, nope, <laughs> never did. <laughs> so, but now at last, finally on our ultimate episode, we are at 2020 and we're going to spend some time on this before going into some, some uh, retrospection uh, on the show. But we got to finish the segment. We got to finish what we started. So starting off the year of 2020, this is fresh in your guys' minds at this point. I say that, but 2020 was quite the year. 20, <laughs> I don't think we're going to look back on 2020 and remember anime, I think. No. Is that, is that a no. safe assumption? Yeah. That's nah, unfortunate. There was yeah. quite a lot happening. Although 2021 feels like just sort of a, a slightly inferior sequel. 2020 there. part two. Yeah, yeah. People I mean, just accepting that 2020 is just not going to stop for a bit. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just like the shonen that doesn't know when to end. Mm. It's just like, no, please. You had your highlight. Well, it and was it, never really a highlight. Yeah, <laughs> never mind. A, a shonen that doesn't know when to end, but it was always shit. Like from episode yeah. one, it wasn't good. Let's see here. I'm trying to 20, think of one 20, that's been going on. For, 2021 feels like the filler arc of this shonen. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a shonen that fills that fills that shit. Fairy tale. What, what's this I haven't watched enough fairy tale to say if it's good or bad. I know it has its audience. I, yeah, okay, I just don't watch yeah. bad shonen. Yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah, same. Let's just, yeah, let's just say at the expense of losing the two fairy tale fans listening to this podcast. Yeah, 2020 is the the, the fairy tale of our timeline, oh sort of. It just keeps on going, won't end. But anyways, kicking up. What wasn't so bad, though, was winter season of 2020. What we did want to keep our hands off of was keep your hands off of Azoken. Oh. Oh. Kyle, I know you're a big, big fan of this. And oh, I know, Azoken's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. this this was Masaki Yuasa's final show yeah. um, that he worked on as part of Science Star. Because I know he had the movie. I think I think he had a movie. Oh yeah, Tokyo, Tokyo Magnitude? Mm. Something. At least There's as far as the series goes, yeah. I know yeah. Young Choi was the director for this, but uh yeah, Yuasa was still there as like working on the production team. Um right. and yeah. yeah, it was like his last official credit, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, Azoken's so, a lot of fun. Yeah, so Azoken was all everything about it was about kind of like giving you insight into sort of the creative process mm-hmm. of making an, anime. We had we've had Shirobako back in 2016 or something like that, I believe, where it gave you an insight into the actual production process of the anime and just how stressful it is and how many moving parts mm-hmm. there are. But like Azoken really kind of gave you a nice little glimpse into a director's mindset of just like how how they go about thinking how to portray certain scenes, the kind of concessions they have to make, how things might not work out, and they have to um, make a compromise with. Um, yeah, Shirobako was a bit more of a, a not that it's bad or anything, um, but it's a fairly standard, you know, cute girl doing cute thing kind of look at uh just anime production but Izakin mm-hmm. does take it from a bit more of an artistic perspective not saying that Shirobako is like any less artistic uh but more that it, it's Izakin takes a much broader look and a higher level look at the process of like what motivates us and how do we take those motivations and put them into our work mm-hmm. something that I really appreciate about the show too is how um, there were multiple sequences, of course, when blanking on the main character's name. Asakusa. Uh, Asakusa, yeah. Um, when Asakusa would just go on these flights of fancies and it was mm-hmm. just like, it would just be like idea after idea after idea after idea. Yeah, very seamless. And of course, like, yeah. 
it was all portrayed in these really like along with it, like as if like she was making the anime there as well. But then like distilling those ideas down to pay, they showed that process of distilling those ideas from that point as well. How those, those, those brainstorms, those brain flashes, those um, flashes of inspiration, trying to think of other terms for it. Um, that's, that's only the starting line. And I, I really appreciated seeing that, how uh, it, it's not, it's not, it's not as easy as just like a, a flash in the wind. I have this great idea um, and it's all going to work out. You, there are things that can still happen after that point. And they still, they do make it happen in the end, which is nice. It would be mm-hmm. a different story if it didn't work out in the end. I think Azoken uh, is so enjoyable because despite all the different moving parts happening and all the various uh, adversities for lack of a better word working against them you you still have the feeling that things are going to work out and you can relax because of that while watching it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it was a nice show i I think the animation was great the fact that like they had so much creativity and so much fun with it um it was yeah it was it was a really it's just a cool show i enjoyed it Mm -hmm. and of course like uh science sorrows traditional like lack of outlines you mm. i feel like you can immediately identify a science sorrow show with just a single screenshot mm. like you show a screenshot of a science sorrow show and you'll be immediately able to tell us like, oh, yep yep that sure is them like uh heike, heike monogatari this season as well is the same way mm. granted um in that case it's part science sorrow in part because they're trying to mimic the japanese ukiyo-e art style mm. but same same thing. It's like oh, there's very distinct lack of outlines, very flat colors. Like Science Star is just very good at working with minimal, very minalistic uh, materials and making them into yeah. They, they, they let the movement do a lot of the talking. Are. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way of putting it for sure. It's a very fluid animation. Uh, it, it's it's very similar to. Uh, is that developer's name Patnaz for World of Horror? Oh, Panstaz. Panstaz, yeah. Uh, for World of Horror, when I was interviewing him at PAX East at Eternity Go, when cons were a thing, um, I, and I asked him, like, what, what made you decide to do all of your art in Microsoft Paint? Because all, all the art that's done in that game is through Microsoft Paint. And he said, because he believes that by, by limiting the amount of the, the tools you have to work with, um, when creating art, it forces you to get creative with them to really examine like what exactly makes something tick and um, emphasize those aspects of a piece. And so that's why he chose to stick with Microsoft Paint. Um, and we, you even see that that emphasized in Azoken as well. And the scene with um, the animator girl that I also forget the name of when she was just so enamored with the movement of her grandma uh, flicking that tea out of her cup, just like enraptured by it. it's like how why is this so mesmerizing to me and how can i capture that in um in an animated form and so just seeing those kinds of insights into the uh, creative works like that it, it's where Aza can really shine i think mm-hmm. 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 on the opposite end of plain animation style though is brand new animal i don't think any of us can mm-hmm. call that plain animation could we <laughs> i don't think we could call anything trigger that makes plain animation <laughs> Oh yeah, the the animation um, is like not where I had a problem with BNA. Right. Yeah. So BNA was spring of 2020. Um, it was yeah, spring spring of 2020. Uh, Trigger's latest TV show, right? Because I don't think we count, count Star Wars Visions as a TV show. Oh no, it was a right? one off. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, brand new animals triggers latest TV show. I don't know. Have they? Do they have anything planned other than the cyberpunk anime? I don't think I'm so. Not sure. But the cyberpunk anime, I think that's this. I think that's coming in 2022. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I think it, not oh, right, right. It's the God. I completely forgot that that got announced like back during the hype. Yeah, of, yeah the 2077 crossover yeah. collab show. Right. Yeah, I think it's 2020. It's supposed to be 2022. Yeah, it is 22 because I remember us making the joke about 2077 and 22 to 2022. I was getting my <laughs> numbers twisted up there. Yeah, so that's going to be next year. So that'll be something to look forward to. But. Anyways, yeah, so Brand New Animal was uh, Trigger's last uh, TV effort. And it met, like, to mild success, I think. Like Kyle said, the animation is definitely something neither of us had issues with. Just the character designs. Some of the most fun character designs I've seen in anime to date, Mm -hmm. I think. Just the way, just how well they crafted both the the animal forms (laughs) and the human forms of these characters. And how, how these... The human forms, especially, inform the looks of the animal mm. forms. You could you could look at the human form and get the kind of the shape of the animal they're supposed to be, in ways that they're still not like super cartoonish. They don't go like, and now here's a guy that has a beard in the shape of like a gizzard from a chicken. It's like uh, mm. something on the nose like that, in like really subtle ways. So uh, they were really ingenious in both the character designs and how they transformed as well. Um, and just the setting of, uh, what was the city's name again? Do you, do you remember? New Donk City. Animal Land. <laughs> Zootopia. Yeah. Zootopia. Yeah. I think like when it came to a finale, I think finale was great. Trigger has a real knack for doing exciting final episodes that are just really fun mm-hmm. and ridiculous. Uh, mm-hmm. Voice acting was great. The animation was obviously great. It was a lot of fun. It was really charming. I just think like a lot of things Trigger does, the story just didn't quite nail it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, what what was it about the story that didn't quite land? They just can't I like think... handle super complex stories, to be honest. Mm-hmm. They, they I, I don't know if they just need to hire a better writer or whatever, but if they keep it simple and just kind of focus on very basic ideas and old, it allows everything else to kind of stand out and be strong. Like mm-hmm. if you look at Kill a Kill and Little Witch Academia, they're not particularly complex stories with complex characters, mm-hmm. um, but that's fine. That's like not what I come to watch those shows for. I they they felt they felt cohesive. Like it had a beginning, middle, and an end. It felt yeah. like a cohesive, complete narrative. BNA didn't quite feel like that. Yeah, with BNA, and, it felt and, like and they tried to overreach a bit with what they were like, trying to like, say. They have they have the episode about baseball, which was admittedly really fun. It was a great episode, but it is just a bit like, what's the point? There are a lot of episodes where mm-hmm. it's like, what's the point here? It might still be entertaining, but in terms of serving a larger narrative with a larger story, played, I mean, you can have like, really what's the point episodes? That's totally fine. Like, Little Witch Academia was pretty episodic in that regard. Yeah. But really, it's just the 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 thing that BNA tried to focus on was like integration and harmony between humans and animal people. And it didn't exactly do that super well. And if you look at like Kill a Kill and Little White Academia, they pre they stayed pretty close to their core messages of you know, doing whatever the hell you want in Kill a Kill, freedom of expression and all that. And Little Witch Academia of being, you know, finding your your true voice. 
right? And, and finding who you want to be. Um, and it doesn't ever really deviate from that. But with BNA, it's like, uh, oh no, there's politics and things happening and it's not an equal society. And they don't really say anything on that other than inequality bad. Right. I think mm. an apt comparison here is before we started recording the podcast, we were talking about Final Fantasy games and just Final Fantasy stories in general. And how the the fault of a lot of Final Fantasy games is just how it'll start character focused, character centric, and then it'll blow up into some Armageddon event that kind yeah, of that's, it, lo- it yeah. loses the personal yeah, touch yeah. along that, the way. That was and really my like, biggest issue with BNA was like it did lose that personal yeah. touch. Yeah, and I think that that applies to a lot of Trigger's recent shows. In fact, it's like they start off with these very fun, interesting characters that you want to learn more about. And then what ends up happening is that you don't get more about them before the spot, but the before the story blows up into something larger that they kind of get embroiled into and have to deal with. Um, and then so now you're just kind of like left with a half baked character and a half baked world on top of that. And you just pull it out of the oven and it's just a goopy, bad cheesecake. Mm. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I was flying by the seat of my pants on that analogy, but that's okay. I, I liked it. Thank you, thank you, Harry. I, that's my that's that's where my genius shines through, right? <laughs> that you were talking about before. Uh, but yeah, that and uh, Keys Niver as well. And, and even though Darling the Franks wasn't entirely triggers, Trigger was still playing a large part of it. So yeah, I think and we've talked about this before. I'm not going to open up that whole conversation again, but we just. To what you were saying about Little Witch Academia and Kill a Kill, it would be nice for Trigger to to find their focus again. We definitely appreciate them for always being the experimentalists of the anime studios, never like sticking with one idea. Like obviously they could just make another Kill a Kill or they could just make another Little Witch Academia, but they they are very clearly never satisfied doing the same thing twice. Kind of like uh, image and form games that people do all the Steam World games. Like mm-hmm. they they've only made the same game twi- once. Um, other than that, it's just completely different. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see what they do for Cyberpunk because as we said before, that's going to be an established world already. The world's already made for them. Um, it, it will be supposedly a bit more of a, a serious tone, I imagine. I, I haven't played Cyberpunk 2077, but I know it's not like, it's definitely not like a BNA world, that's for sure. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm still curious to see how that goes to them. And I'm, I'll always be interested to see what trigger does, but mm. it's always with kind of I like a what's assault of skepticism to wait. <clears throat> Fun fact, I've had a really bad cough recently. So if I'm coughing oh, no. randomly or clearing my throat in the episode, that's why. Um, but, uh, it's not COVID. Don't worry. I'm testing lots. Uh, but no, <laughs> but the nice thing about doing a, a cyberpunk anime is that if the animation is terrible, they can just say, yeah, we're capturing the game. We're capturing oh the glitchiness, <laughs> brokenness of the game. So actually, it, aesthetically, it fits. Supposedly, that, that the game's gotten gotta fixed. Go I don't know. I don't, I don't care enough to follow That's it, what they say. Anymore. Yeah. I, will, I will buy it on sale someday. I, I, I was surprised that's still full price. Not buy it, personally, due to the fact that they overwork their employees. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think some of their branding and advertising was, was somewhat transphobic. Because it was sort of a uh, sexualizing transgenderism in a really kind of sketchy way. I think. Uh, it was just a, it, it was a whole whole thing. It was a whole thing. But you know, yeah. the, again, the, the world is still fine. It, it's yeah, cyberpunk is fun. I I don't know what they're going to focus on. My only a, concern with it would be if they try to 
again, overreach with a larger philosophy and kind of ignore the characters in the process. Yeah, I mean, I obviously, I love, I love messages and uh, social justice being integrated into any story. So I'm all about that. But uh, make it fun, make it interesting and uh, make sure you get it right. And like you're saying, get the characters right as well. Don't neglect your characters or your larger story, you know, get them both mm-hmm. balanced. Um, I think Killer Kill got that right. It got the balancing act really good. Same with Little Wedge Academia, but it is a difficult tightrope to walk. And I love the trigger just does their thing and, and they give it a good go. And like even when it doesn't work out, I still respect the artistry of what they do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You, you could say that trigger shouldn't pretend to have a larger message that they have. Yeah. 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 But sometimes people are great at pretending. I know what you're getting oh, into. Do you, do you oh, guys, there it is. Okay. Yeah, I, was yeah. like, there, okay. you could, I was waiting for you to pick that yeah. up. There we go. There we go. So <laughs> summer of 2020 was the great pretender, which I know I'm the only one that finished, right? Because Kyle, you started it. I started it. Oh, it was yeah. a fun show. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and Harry, did you I, start I it at all? I watched the first episode. I didn't get around to watching more, but I know that you said it's really mm-hmm. good. Um, I, th- I think yeah. I've mentioned this before and it's it's a weird one I kind of face with anime sometimes where I I struggle to really get into shows if it feels like they can't decide if they want to be realistic or fantastical. I, I don't mm-hmm. mind either one, but I think commit to it. So The Great Pretender, in terms of its like general setup, it seemed like it wanted to be kind of like realistic and sort of uh, grounded. And then at the end of episode one, there's that woman sort of repeatedly backflipping through the air um, to try and trick someone. And I thought, I don't, like, I'm totally cool with that. If you want to go the weird kind of anime fantasy route, do it, but commit to it. And let me know from the first scene, this is the sort of show it is. Let me know from the opening shot, this is going to be wonderfully weird. Um, I'm not a fan when shows kind of lull you into this sense of, oh, it's grounded and normal. And then it kind of pulls something out where it's like, oh, but we're kind of doing some zany shit, but not really. It feels, I don't know. I mean, admittedly, I've only seen one episode, so it's not enough to judge it on. But that was my kind of final thought there. And it was like, is it? does it want to be realistic and grounded or does it want to be fantasy-based? Either one is fine, just commit to one. Mm-hmm. And so when we were talking about kind of walking the, the tightrope of, um, in Trigger's case, walking the tightrope between having something substantial to say and it's fancy non- nonsense, um, Great Pretender is the one that walks the tightrope between having something to say and still knowing when to have fun with itself as yeah. well. Um, and it's, and it's coming episodes. Like it, it delves into some very, very intense issues and it does so with care when it decides to as well. Um, such as just like PTSD, um, child, child trafficking, like a lot of awful things. And it does so with a lot of grace and care, but it also knows like in the end of the day, we're a bunch of con men that are just trying to like play Robin Hood and con a bunch of bad people out of their money. And walking, it, it walks us that tightrope very tightly, on, or that was done in tightrope very well, <laughs> on top of just having this very gripping heist story. Like every single heist they do throughout the show are a kind of heist that at any given moment can blow up in their face. Like, we were talking about Azokin, how things are going badly, but even then, like you can tell, like things are going to work out for them. And, and Great Pretender, you don't get that feeling. Like you, you are sitting there constantly feel like this is not, <laughs> they are going to get killed doing this or something's going to go wrong. And sometimes things do go wrong and they, they manage and um, 
get around it. And what Great Pretender, what really anchors all that is its core cast of characters as well. Going back to how we were saying, um, when you start off anchored to characters to keep it anchored to characters, and that's what Great Pretender does mm-hmm. very well. Um, granted, it's not there's not like some world-ending event. Like they keep it focused within these heists themselves, um, and because those heists are focused, um, we can maintain this dynamic between the core cast of characters and every single every every arc is kind of dedicated to one of each of those characters but at the same time it's not only about them there's a lot going on you can still get pieces of all the other characters as well it's not it's very you don't see the toggle as much as you do for other anime mm-hmm. and so that that's what that's what uh, i really appreciate about great pretender is just the uh the skill at which it it handles it's uh it's characters mainly i w- i would say mm. it's very and it's and it's fun for a high story unlike uh have you ever really started super crooks on netflix i i, super I have it on out. my watch list but i don't know if it's meant to be any good or not um so me and my friend aren't a fan of it we watched four episodes right, of it yeah. so far and like every episode we've watched of it, we've just been thinking I, I would, I'd rather be rewatching Great Pretender right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's not it's it's different premises because Super Crooks it's like super villains and superheroes, but uh, it's it's kind of same same vibe, um, same kind of character, same kind of um, heist story, but the characters are just not not nearly as fun and not nearly as likable mm. um, and not nearly as understandable either. Their motives are very questionable, I would say. Mm. Uh, but uh, some people like it. Uh, I know the comic book artist, uh, what's his name? Blanking on his name, but he's he's known for these kinds of stories where there's not really a point to them. So it just not might not be for me and my friend. But yeah, that that's what I'm saying is like. He's known for stories where there's not really a point to them. I mean, that's not the most glowing uh, thing to, to put on your CV. I mean, I, I guess I get kind of what you're going for. Where there's a, I mean, what is the show's focus on if it's not the characters? But it's, right, it's, 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 it's supposed to be like, like oh, yeah. I'm known for making music where there's no melody or rhythm in it. It's just like, like I mean, there are artists like that. Yeah, but do you, do you get my point? It's like, oh, I'm known for writing books, but I don't spell anything right. It's just, it, like yeah, there, there's <laughs> probably like a different like I don't know who you're talking right. about, Matt. I, and I haven't seen this series, but I'm right. sure that there is an audience for it, and they appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, exactly. And what I should say is like it, it very much plays by the rule of cool. Um, th- th- okay, yeah. Here, here's what it boils down to: is that it it asks me to suspend my disbelief a little bit more than I'm capable of doing. Um, but if you are capable of suspending your disbelief, then you would probably have a good. Give time. us an example. What's the, uh, the most you've had to suspend your disbelief on this show? So, okay, so there's a part where um, the main, so the main characters are crooks, like they're super villains and you could say their first heist crooks, is just actually. a good old, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so their, their first heist is just a good old fashioned jewelry store robbery. And so they're trying to get away and then a superhero gets called on them, right? And like the superhero comes on the scene and he's rubber ball man because he's super stretchy and rubbery and he can like bounce all over the place and chase them down. Um, and then like his entrance is like, he comes up and he's like super beloved by the populace. Like he's stopping, taking selfies with people and so on and so forth. And so then the, then the chase scene starts and at first it's like, okay, like he's making some like potholes here and there on the ground as he's like trying to smash the crook's car. But that's like understandable there. Like, okay, potholes, not, not that bad. But then, but then there's a part where he, so this is taking place in, in San Francisco. Okay. 
There, there's a part where he literally tears through like five blocks of a car of apartment buildings to try to get these buildings to fall on the crooks' cars. Right. And like the people were living there. People could have been in there. Those people could be dead right now. And then we just don't talk about that ever yeah. again. And then the hero is still loved afterwards. There's no mention of the mass destruction he made afterwards. I'm like, oh, I mean, hold on here. From the a sounds of it, that could be like a point that the show is trying to make. I mean, it, it, I, I don't it, know. It, it could be where it's like it could it, be that's repeated enough. It could be metaphorical. Uh, I, I mean, like. Uh, yeah, Prince, Prince, Andrew, Prince Andrew in the UK royal family. There's damning evidence that he, for want of a better phrase, fucks kids. But uh, there's still people who are massive royalists in the UK. Um, and, you know, it could be down to the fact that, like, there's awful governments in the world who do awful things, but people still vote for them. Yeah, so I, I can see how it would be going for something like that. Out of context, I can see series. how you think that. Yeah. In the moment, uh, and if, I think you guys would believe me if you were watch, if you watched it. It's yeah, not, yeah. I mean, does that's it take not the superheroes in a positive light or a negative one? Um, it still it still paints them in a positive light. Yeah. Okay, then that's bullshit. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. Yeah. So that's 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 the the biggest example I could think of of just like okay, you're asking me a little too much to suspend my disbelief here. Hold on, super crooks artist what's what's i think his last name is miller uh mark miller mark miller that's it yeah yeah mm. so yeah he's he's done a bunch of different comic books because super crooks is originally a comic book right. series anyways we got off track a little <laughs> bit there um, it's the final episode we can get off track it's okay we're all talking about anime still but yeah i i, I super crooks not for me great pretender very much for me highly recommend it to everyone um me and my friend just we were so enraptured by it all because we we have Sunday night anime nights where we will get in Discord and we'll watch stuff together. And I had watched one episode of Great Pretender on my own. And I'm like, I need to show Taryn this. And so that Sunday night, I'm like, Taryn, we're like putting everything off on the back on the back burner. Let's watch an episode of this. And then we just watched like the entire first arc that night. And then we just like kind of ignored everything else that we were in the middle of watching. Just to finish Great <laughs> Pretender. We were so into it. I love when you get the shows. Yeah, it, it's been a while. Like, we, I haven't had another show like that where I just, like, absolutely consumed um, in a short amount of time. Uh, I do want to touch on, even though I know both of you haven't watched this, but uh, Higurashi Go, the, the new Higurashi series, mm -hmm. also started in fall of 2020. I know, Kyle, you've seen the original yeah, series the original. at this point. Yeah. And, excuse me. And Harry, you have no, no exposure to I, it. I know the general premise, but I don't, I've not seen the show. Right. Um, so at, at this point, uh, the, the full series is over now, and it's been two years since it started. So I think the statute of limitations are up on this sort of like twist in a way. Uh, when Higurashi, it wasn't even called Go when it was coming out. It was just called New Higurashi. When New Higurashi was coming out in fall of 2020, it was being promoted and positioned as a remake of the original series. Yeah. And then the first episode came out though, and there were a lot of weird little differences and inconsistencies here and there. And then the episode finished and then the title dropped, Higurashi no Nakakoroni, go. Um, and then it became very apparent, this isn't a remake of a first series. This is actually a direct sequel mm -hmm. um, to the original. And due to the way Higurashi is set up, that's why they could have, they were able to get away with this subterfuge. And, that was incredible. Um, 
the way that Higurashi Go kind of subverts your expectations, you go into it, once you realize it's a sequel and the situation you're in, having watched the original series, you feel like, okay, I have all the pieces of information. I know how these events are going down. We know how to kind of avoid this. And you're kind of like in lockstep and thinking with one of the characters as well. But the way it keeps throwing wrenches at you, continually putting you off your feet, continually like make you very uneasy. Um, it's a masterclass in kind of like manipulating the audience's emotions. Mm -hmm. um, and again, just like how in sync you are with the main character's emotions also. There's very, nothing will get me more invested in a show than if it manages to synchronize my emotions with a character's as well. If I'm thinking the exact same thing a character is thinking, if I'm feeling the exact same thing a character is feeling, that is marked of very, very good character building and very good storytelling. Um, unfortunately, the remake goes on to do some, make some questionable decisions in the second half, and it didn't end in a very satisfying way. Uh, but I think just the whole idea of playing this this sort of subterfuge with your audience, making them think that they're getting something and then it turns out to be something entirely else and then being able to capitalize on, on as well is something extremely unique to the Higurashi mm -hmm. series for for spoiler reasons that I won't get into. Kyle will understand oh, yeah. what I'm talking oh, yeah. about. No, I get it. Yeah. Um, if you, uh, I, I, I do want to ask though, can you, can you think of any other series now where there'll be a new series coming out for it and they're positioning it as some sort of retelling or revisiting the original series, but in actuality, it's something more than that. Are you saying like, can you think of anything along those lines? Anything that's done that before? No. Can you think of anything that can do oh, that or has done that before even? Probably, if you can think, I, because I don't think anything has anything done that If anything could do it, it would be Haruhi. Mm. That's a good, that's a good, it's kind of that's a good one for sure. A bit of the same way that Higurashi does, Haruhi can set itself up to have that story. Yeah, that that's a very good point for sure. I can't, um, I can't think of one. Yeah, especially I, think, I, no, I really can't think of one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for Haruhi, especially because there's a lot of light novels that haven't been uh, yeah, animated yeah, yeah. yet. Uh, there, there's ways to play around with that for sure. That they can make they can make you think that they're going to going to animate one of these light novels, but in actuality, it's something completely different. And that's the that's the tricky part as well. I think, okay, actually, maybe you wouldn't want to do it that way because people are looking, do want those light novels animated. Um, That's right. Yeah, I guess with Higurashi, people thought, all right, this is pretty much done. Yeah, because the original series animated the whole and the entire original visual novel. There wasn't anything right. else after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I still, I still think Haruhi is a good, is a good pick. If there's any series that could pull that off, it would mm -hmm. be Haruhi. A, a series that had... For all intents and purposes, the, the exact same episode for eight episodes in a row and got away with it. <laughs> it. It would be it would be Haruhi. Uh, I, I feel like uh, Madoka could also do it. Oh, probably. Yeah. Madoka's another yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, they, they kind of did it in a weird way with a third movie. Yeah. Where they they make you think they kind of reset the world in a way. And at first you think maybe it's just some sort of alternate telling or something like that but then they loop it back to the original the original story in a very interesting way um and they might do that again with the fourth no i no i don't think they would do that again with the fourth movie they, they would pull that trick twice would they? <laughs> would uh, they if people are expecting it yeah probably not mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's that's the big question. It's just like how how do you surprise with Madoka at this point? Just make a new I, series. I don't know. You, you're done with it. Don't be afraid. So, to make well, new they, don't don't be afraid to. They, they kind of they kind of did do that. Oh, right. I do with have on this list for 2020. Yeah, Ma- yeah, Magia Record. Yeah, so that was also. 2020 uh, winter and I did not put a star on it. So it was going to be like at the end of everything, but we can wrap that into this discussion as well. So yeah, Magia record was the adaptation of the mobile game story. Um, and I watched the first season of it. I never got around to watching the second season, but the first season was too long. It had a lot of episodes that could have been condensed into fewer episodes, but it did have, it did definitely have that kind of classic, uh, Madoka feel of not quite understanding what's going on mm-hmm. and always being on the back foot. And in particular, I do want to give it applause for just how chillingly accurate it depicts like cults and recruitment into cults. And I'm not talking about like in the weird anime way, like they really like read, they did their research on like how people fall mm-hmm. into a cult mentality. And I, I wrote a whole article on this back when and just like and referencing like real world cults and just like this is falling in lockstep what the characters do in Magia Record is falling lockstep what these people did to recruit Mm -hmm. people to their cult um it 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 sounds like cults are wild like if oh yeah no I I I watch cult documentaries in my spare time sometimes yeah Yeah, no it it feels like fiction yeah and but it, it really things really have happened fucked up things have happened so I like I, I applauded the first season for that. I haven't gotten around to the second season, although I've heard it kind of like is also too long. Well, for its you own know good. what? Good for um, a mobile game show. Doing that, that, that's all it is now. Everything's just a yep. tie-in media. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, there is that. They did try to do like something different in that regard. But yeah, the fourth movie, um, I don't. They can't do something different because we all, we do know it's going to be continuation already. I was like, man. They didn't, they, this fourth movie doesn't need to be happen, honestly, uh, but we'll see. So yeah, I think, yeah, Madoka and Haruhi are good picks to be able to pull off that kind of mm. subterfuge. So, so those are the, the four, the four shows I put stars next to for this, uh, this year. Uh, other notable shows that happened this year was Interspecies Reviewers in Winter 2020. I remember that? I remember, remember that, that whole debacle. around it. Yeah, that was uh, a weird show. Uh, I hesitate to co- I hesitate to call it unprecedented, but very very rare. I w- definitely for a show to come onto Funimation, air for like two episodes, and Funimation be like, "Oh, hold on now, we didn't know it was going to be this explicit," and then yoink it off of their platform. It's quite an achievement, to be fair. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah. Well, that's just a changing of audiences and changing of media. People are getting a lot more comfortable Mm -hmm. with, uh, like, it's still wild to me, just the reaction that Lady D had with uh, Resident Evil Village, because there were, like, Mm -hmm. like Xbox. She won Best Performance at the Game Awards. I was really surprised by that. But, yeah, Yeah. people are becoming hopefully less prudes. Yeah. And to interspecies reviewers credit, I, I did watch a few episodes of it and it, it is like exactly what it says on the tin. Um, but I, I was impressed by how well thought out it was. And this is going to sound so weird, but like the, the biology of monster girl sort of, <laughs> and that, that's all I'm going to say mm. about that. But like the show 
is is about reviewing them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the the details that they think of is just like, wow, that is really creative. Um, I wish you could have put that creativity towards something else, but I will hand it to you. That is a really creative interpretation of like how this monster girl functions. Mm, um, yep. So yeah, yep. I, I I give it credit for that. I do know interspecies reviewers has its audience because for that reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the translator for Higurashi was also the translator for interspecies reviewers, mm. which is funny. Um, and she she loved translating that show. I I could tell there was a lot of like. Uh, yeah, that's the thing about it. And and that, that's really the thing that I've noticed, especially um, just following a bunch of localizers and translators. Like they all consume the same kinds of media that we do. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a matter of the public-facing brand element being okay with associating themselves with this kind of content, uh, which mm -hmm. things are slowly opening up towards. But for the most part, yeah, whatever. People are okay with titty and gore. It's just you know. Yep. A wider audience just, might not be ready for that. That sounds like a really good comedy right, to yeah. a good you, you know your audience. Titty and gore. Yeah. That sounds like yeah. a stage play. That sounds like it would be a stage play mm -hmm. to me. I'd watch it. By the way, that, that translator I mentioned, she also works as a localization producer at Sega, oh. so you might meet her. I Kyle. feel like I've already like followed her on Twitter. Because I know exactly who, Ka like, I, I'm pretty Katrina. sure I see. Yeah, oh, yeah, Katrina. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, Katrina I, I, Lennon, yeah. I don't know her personally, but yes, I, I follow yep. her tweets. Yep, yep. She's She makes very insightful tweets into the translation process of anime. If you if you are interested in the getting a look into the localization of process of anime and just kind of like what goes into making a good translation of anime beyond like the old fan subs of old, um, definitely definitely give her a follow. Katrina Leonardo. Some kind I'm of. I'm not quite sure what her last name is. Yeah, um, yeah, she has really good threads. Uh, in spring 2020, I don't think any of us watched this, but I, I, we have to give it mention. Is Tower of a God? Any of us watched? Uh, the Kevin Penkin scored series. That's I think uh, all yes, I know about yes. that show. I forgot that he scored that, but yes, he yes, that is that one. Um, Tower God was notable because it was all it was a Korean webcomic. Oh, uh, wait, no, I didn't watch. Yeah. I watched like two episodes you, of this. You watched God of High School, I think. Mm, I'm right, okay. pretty sure I watched a bit of Tower of God, too. Oh, OK, OK. Oh, OK, OK. Because I know you're not a fan of God of High School and I wasn't a fan yeah, of it yeah. either. Uh, yeah. Do you remember anything no. from those two episodes you watched? No. OK. <laughs> That's what I, I, mean, uh, I know. Tower of God definitely has its audience. Um, it, it made a, it made a splash. It made a very big impact mm -hmm. um, for kind of the first Korean webcomic to get a proper anime adaptation, and people were very look, much looking forward to the, its sequel, scored by Kevin Penkin, the same person who did uh, the score for Made in Abyss and Rising the Shield Hero as well was its selling point. So yeah, I, I don't know. I can't say much more else about it. I know there's one character that got memed as a traitor. Um, that, that's about it. But like I said, it, it would be, it would be folly of me not to bring it up in noteworthy anime of 2020. Unfortunately, Tower, or not Tower God, uh, God of High School, they both have God. <laughs> why, why would both the webcomics oh, have God? It's probably like the re colon thing that Japan, <laughs> yeah, fair. like Fruits Light novels. <laughs> yeah. God of High School, on the other hand, was not so great. Kyle and I both tried watching it, that. Yeah, it's, it was, uh, uh, it's a battle shown in. Uh, a very bare bones battle shonen. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, like on, um, this, on the, the service battle shonen, that's my shit. But 
is it just not good? It's quite literally, yes, Battleshown intend to be like kind of samey, but this is like somebody read a Wikipedia article about Battleshown and then said, right. oh, I'm going to make a series based off of that because that sounds cool. I mean, it only works if you've got fun characters that you're actively like seeing. Ultimately, yeah. uh, that is, that ultimately, if I really boil it down, that is what I like about I mean, Shonen. yeah, that, that's is, why you watch Shonen. It is seeing likable, fun characters in exciting situations. That's literally the appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, if those characters yeah. aren't likable, fucking get them yeah. in. And like, it's likable if you quite literally haven't seen other Shonen. Yeah, yeah. It also breaks its rules. Oh yeah, there's really like no within in, the first few episodes. There's no internal consistent rules yeah, like, of how the fights or like, mechanics work. Like I was saying with uh, Super Crooks, I was unable to send in my disbelief a few times. Like the whole idea with this tournament is that the fighters are injected with these nano machines that can heal them from like any injury, so that they can like as long as they don't kill each other, so they can fight all out. But there's a part where one of the characters gets like super critically injured and like the nano machines can't fix them. Like we might lose them, blah, blah, blah. And then like literally five minutes later, they do a gag where someone breaks the main character's neck and then nano machines heals it. And like, so it can heal a broken neck like instantly, but it can't like heal this guy over here that just got like all of his limbs, like quote unquote, just got like all of his limbs broken. So, like, there there are a lot of inconsistencies like that that kept bringing me out of it within the first few episodes. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it was unfortunate. Um, some decent fight animation, though. I will give it credit yeah. for that. But so, yeah, Tower God, I, I do plan on checking out at some point. Um, I haven't gotten around to it, but I know people really, really like it. Um, Kakushi Goto, also spring of tw- 2020. Did either of you watch that? No. Start it? Nah. Okay. I'll, I'll touch on that briefly then. Kakushi Goto was... Um, wonderfully melancholic is the best way I can put it. The whole premise is that there is a manga author that writes a very etchy manga series, but he doesn't want to let his like six year old daughter find out <laughs> that he um, draws a very etchy series. Oh. And so he puts on this whole subterfuge of like pretending to have a normal salary man job. Um, and hilarity ensues is the best way I can put it. <laughs> however, however, um, at the, at the end of each episode, you get a little bit of a glimpse of the daughter. Hime is her name, uh, all grown up and she's visiting the house that she grew up in and that you are watching the series in. And it, it, it's very, very, very clear that the father has passed away. Um, and so you're kind of, you're putting the pieces together, watching the main series move along until it like meets the present essentially mm-hmm. and trying to like put that together. And so knowing that these, these good times will end at one point. Mm. Uh, so that's what I mean by it's, it's wonderfully melancholic. Um, it, yep. That's all, that's all I'll say about it. Very good show, mm. but same author as a uh, Sayonara is that supposed sensei. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yep. Nice. And same art style. You, you can immediately uh, recognize it when you look at a screenshot mm. of it. Uh, Harry, tell me about Jujutsu Kaisen. Oh, oh I love it. It's great. Um, yeah, I, I, you see like, the you trailer shonen. for the movie. I did see the trailer for the movie. I, it was quite like rapid, and obviously, like you don't get a super, super deep look at anything. But uh, I'm excited. Yeah, um, I love Jujutsu Kaisen because I mean it is that typical shonen fare, but I think it kind of marries its its formula really well with kind of more gory horror aesthetics, um, and I think that works really like in quite an interesting way. Um, it's also not afraid to to take a few risks along the way. I know there's obviously I, I'm trying to 
be too specific, but there's a point midway through the series where a particular character dies and you don't expect it. And it's a bit like, oh, wow, they've actually done that. And it's quite out of the blue. Um, and I thought that was very unshonen like And I think this is what really worked for it, mm-hmm. uh, what really worked about it for me. Even though it's got its typical shonen stuff, it does enough differently to make it feel like quite a creative, original thing. Um, I personally really enjoyed it. I thought the characters were fun. Uh, the animation was obviously fucking great, just from Mappa. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do really enjoy the sort of darker, more gory horror aesthetic that it kind of married the shonen formula with. Uh, and yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited to see more. Definitely. I really, really liked it. Yeah. And I, I'm always a fan of uh, uneasy symbiotic relationships, I guess you mm, could call yeah. it. <laughs> like, uh, so yeah, the relationship between Yuji and uh, Sukuna. How Ryuji is kind of like uh, housing the spirit of Sukuna, this very evil spirit, and it's very it's reminiscent to Naruto in that regard, where Naruto houses the spirit of the Nine Tails. However, the difference between Naruto and uh, Yuji, I feel like, is that Sukuna is a very uh, defined personality, defined mm-hmm. presence, like his own goals, and whereas the Nine Tail Fox in Naruto, granted, I haven't watched all eight hundred episodes of Naruto, <laughs> but the the Nine Tail Fox in Naruto is just more like a primordial energy sort of a primordial like bestial force it, it doesn't really have any sort of personality any sort of thought or personality other than just like burn everything to the ground mm. and so there's not really much of an interesting dynamic I, there but for, between yuji and sukuna um i really like just kind of like the dynamic between them it's like okay if i die you die or just like i found a way that you can die and i'll be fine from what like i that. know as well um, like going back and forward forth. that dynamic comes more and more into it and sukuna comes more into it and and him being a piece of shit comes right. more into it um so right. i know that you you had some mixed feelings on series one but hopefully in future yeah. seasons like that that will be you'll maybe have a slightly better view now you know the characters and things might pick up a little bit more for you um but right, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think some of the characters are just great. Um, I think Gojo is just fantastic. He's so much fun. Um, and mm-hmm. I think the final episode of the series as well, where it was uh, Yuji and I'm terrible with names. What's the, the, the girl's name with uh, the hammer? Can you remember her name? <laughs> I don't remember. Nope. I barely remembered Yuji and Sukuna's yeah, name. Yeah, <laughs> I only remember like one or two. Um, but like yeah. that final fight with them against those those two opponents, it's just fantastic. It's so yeah. well animated. It's so exciting. And yeah. for me, it was that moment when I was just like, fuck yeah, this is a great show. This is really, really entertaining. Yeah, they, just, just pure fucking I appreciate entertainment. That, I appreciate that they're already showcase, showing like creative ways for all the characters to use their powers. Yeah. So yeah, that fight was a great showcase for it. Um, the fight between Yuji with Yuji and again, don't remember muscle bound guy's name. Oh, it begins with a T, um, but I can't remember his full name. Yeah. So when they're tag teaming against, uh, the, the plant yeah, monster yeah. and just like the way that, uh, muscle, ba- muscle brain <laughs> guy was kind of like using his, his swap powers. He was doing it in very interesting ways in a very dynamic yeah. way as well. So I, I definitely give the show I that. Also, my, my, main, my main complaint with the first season that you were alluding to is, yeah, the fact that not a whole lot, not anything of actual um, consequence really happened in the first yeah, season quite for, yet. Like, every, in the end, we're late, still on later, like a net zero for both manga, sides. I think the next arc in particular, I think it's called the Shibuya incident or something. And mm-hmm. I, I believe there is an arc where like a major character is killed off 
a lot of stuff goes down and it's pretty heavy. Um, and yeah, like for me, I, I view it more as that. I view series one as the startup to this larger narrative. Um, and that's why like, I'm not, I'm not too concerned, but like, cause I'll agree. Like, like it wasn't ginormous at times narratively. Uh, there wasn't loads happening, but I could see the potential there and I could see so much of that potential that it's like, I ended up loving the show because it's like, yeah, I get it. And I can see how great this can be with a bit more time to develop and mature. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's really cool. I also, I loved like how much they committed to some of their humor. Um, I think at the moment when yeah. like, um, again, that muscle guy, he he says to Yuji, what girls do you like? And Yuji responds in a way that he likes. And he does that kind of flashback as, as to like, this fantasy of him and Yuji being best friends at high school, which obviously like a made up fantasy, but they, they animate this mm-hmm. for like three minutes and they really commit to the joke. And it's just like, it just shows Mappa really fucking like. Toto is his right, name. Right, Toto, right. That's it. Yeah. Toto, but yeah. Mappa really fucking commit to every single bit of it and really like go all in. And um, yeah, I just, I just think it's a really great show. And I think assuming they keep doing it, it could be the next big shonen. I think it really could be the next big, uh, title in that genre. Yep. Mappa in general has really made a name for themselves in recent yeah. years, I feel like. Like we talked about it when, when what year was that? Flipping through my notes again. But it, it really was the 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 Rage of Bahamut anime that really put them on the map. And ever since then, like Rage of Bahamut, Zombieland Saga, Jujutsu Kaisen, uh this season, uh Tact OP Destiny, like they've really done some really high profile incredible shows uh and they've definitely become like sort of a household name in anime alongside of things like wit studio and uh Mad- madhouse at this point mm, yeah definitely they are great they're there's you would say that they're not talentless oh i, say, I, I think right? i know what you might be alluding much, to much, now yeah uh, i don't know M- if much, I do. <laughs> much, much like a one talentless nana so yes i know i know harry watched this i, I, I don't this think show. doesn't I sound really like kyle watched it, it. I, I did not watch this yeah, so Harry, tell tell me tell me about Talentless Not. Um, you, so you actually. Oh, by the way, this came out fall twenty. You sold yes. this to me. You said it's kind of like budget My Hero Academia. That's what you sold it to me as. Yeah, that's that. That and was my exact I wording. Yeah, thinking, oh no, I don't, I don't know if I could be asked for this, but I, I watched it <laughs> at the end of episode one. It's one of these shows where you get to the end of episode one and there's a twist and it's like, oh shit, and it was that. And I, I don't want to say anything about it mm-hmm. because if you've not seen it, it's great to go in blind. Um. But it was awesome. The twist totally got me hooked. And the, the remainder of the show, yep. it was just really entertaining. Just really like fast paced. Uh, it didn't lag on anything too much. It was really, really cool. And um, seeing the, the development of the protagonist, um, it was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely, definitely going to check out like future seasons. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really strong show, uh, especially because it was like, what, 12 episodes? Yep. And in that space of time, yeah, it, it was, it was, a, it was nice a very punchy 12 episodes. It really did a lot. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was all killer, oh, yeah, no filler. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So definitely check it out if you've not seen it. And Kyle, yeah, check it out, man. It's really good. Yep. Like, yes. just know that the first episode is Budget My Hero Academia until it's not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, like Harry said, when, because we put on the uh, the seasonal anime viewer's guide every every season for Goomba Stomp. And so I, I'll, I'll always put it up to writers to decide what they want to write about. But sometimes I'll give a recommendation to a writer if I think that they might like a particular show. And so, yeah, when I pitched this to Harry, I'm like, Harry, I think, I think you'll like this, but like, just know it, it's, it's kind of like budget My Hero Academia for the stars. Like, okay, I'll give it a shot. 
And I'm glad I'm glad he liked it. I, I remember I also recommended Jujutsu Kaisen yeah, to you as well. Yeah, you've got good recommendations. And then what I'm trying to think. I always recommend JoJo. I always recommend JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and obviously yes. One Piece. Um, but that's difficult because One Piece is such a gargantuan undertaking. And JoJo is like, yeah. I, I mean, I've just watched the new part of it on Netflix, the new series of it on Netflix. It's so good. Um, mm. so you, notion, you've got yeah. to like give it a bit of time to really get into it, but it is so worth it. If, if you like mm. weird, creative storytelling, then it is just so much fun. Yeah, I, Stone Ocean, it's been really fun following uh, the voice actors for it because both the voice actor for the English voice and the Japanese voice, they, they put out tweets ahead of time saying like how, th so for Jolene Cujo, this is like their dream really? role. Like Jolene is like one of the characters that like inspired them to become voice actors, both so the Japanese cool. and English voice actors. They are just like melting and just like the honor to voice this character they are so yeah. stoked it was very very cute Jolene's a really really fun protagonist I really like her as a character and um it, it's just I mean, I mean Stone Ocean so far it's only 12 episodes so obviously like there's there's more that needs to come but uh it's just it's just everything you want from it it's just classic Jojo's Bizarre Adventure um all the wonderful weirdness and zaniness um it's taking place in a prison though so obviously that's a lot of fun um but yeah, I mean, I mean, there's one episode where uh, they're going against the debt collector Marilyn Manson, and um, I mean, the idea is if you make <laughs> a bet um, and you can't uphold that bet, it will come and it will collect for it will collect something from you. So it might steal your liver or, or like it'll take your money. But like, even if the money's hidden in you because you're in a prison, it will find it. It will rip it out of your body. So it's pretty intense. And uh, Jolene and another character say, if we can throw this ball to one another one thousand times without dropping it you'll give everything you've stolen back. But like the prison's shutting and they need to get back to their cells. So they're trying to throw this ball to each other like 1,000 times whilst trying to get back to their cells in time and not get caught by the guards. And also the stand user is trying to chase them. And they're trying to find the stand user to like stop the stand user so the whole debt is called off. Um, but also trying to like not get stopped by guards and not drop the ball. It's ridiculous. And, and I think this is what's, what's so great about Jojo. Yeah. It can take a really mundane thing like that, throwing a ball to one another, and it makes it so stressful and so intense. And like, that's what's so good about it. You know, like what, when you were in like primary school or elementary school, whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it, uh, did, you, did you ever play like the playground game where you're just like around with a group of kids and you say like, I use fireball on you. And then the kid, um, you're playing, it's like, I use ice shield yeah. to block the fireball and then like infuse it with dark magic. It's like, oh, by counting your dark magic, blah, 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 blah. That, that sounds yeah. like JoJo. <laughs> it, it sounds like the kind of series that were like, it's a bunch of schoolyard kids <laughs> just throwing out like whatever <laughs> they, the fuck they think comes to mind at that moment. <laughs> and just like, it is, yeah. it is somewhat like that. Yeah, it, obviously like, uh, yeah. all the powers have like a limit and a scope, but the battles, they're not so much like kind of frantic back and forth battles. They're more like puzzles where you see these two characters trying to figure mm -hmm. out like how the fuck do we beat one another? And they might have powers that are like really kind of polar opposites to one another. Um, yeah, just just really surreal stuff. I mean, I remember there's one in Stone Ocean where it's a guy who can manipulate gravity fields and like the, this the antagonist, he can manipulate gravity fields and create gravity spaces and stuff and he can like lock pockets of air and you can make it so you're in a gravity field with no air so you can't breathe. Jolene can use the power of strings to like move things through strings and then this other guy can manipulate the weather. So he's trying to create like sort of gravity suits um, out of like storm clouds 
and it's just bonkers. It's surreal, but you watch it and it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. And it almost feels like they're sort of using this pseudoscience to justify it all. And it is like, I will mm-hmm. do this because in science, if you combine this material with this chemical, it will da 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 And then they'll, they'll use that to block out some sort of gravity icicle. And it's just bonkers, but it's so much fun. And you get, it, when you get so on board of it, it's like, oh my God, yes, you need you need to do that. Do that now. Or else get you. you get so into it. It's so much fun. Um, I'd, I'd thoroughly mm-hmm. recommend it. Like it's, it's such a worthwhile series and it's just so creatively written. Mm-hmm. It's so colourful and, and zany and just, just a really great time. Right. Yeah, as you said, it's definitely a series that you need to like give it some time to to grow, and so that's what that's what I'm waiting for is like giving the, the, having the time to like really sit down yeah. with it and give it give it the give it the mm. space it needs. So that's it. We have finally, after a full cool. year, completed our trip down the full decade of 2010. <laughs> We've talked about every single show that matters and our world is law. So we've never talked about a show on the show. That means your tastes are trash. And that just is how just how be. it shakes out. It's just how it be. That's just how it be. So yes, um, this is our final episode. How many times <laughs> have I said that now? Uh, of this episode. And so yes, I want that. to... Yeah, it's not the final time I'll say the final of the episode. That's for sure. Uh, I want to just, yeah, take, take a moment of introspection just a moment to like really think about um where how we've arrived where we at particularly like yeah we were a bunch of weaves we're a bunch of anime fans we've been watching anime um for a while now on and off peaks and valleys but it's it's become a part of our lives for sure and so i i just want to ask you both just kind of like what do you think like anime has has brought to your life how has it how has it influenced the person that you've become today it's, it almost sounds like an interview question, but I, I think it's I think it's a it's an interesting to think about, especially I, after doing three years. I, of anime I think podcast. for me, there's all sorts of entertainment I love. I love music. I love playing video mm-hmm. games. There's all sorts of geeky entertainment. I'm I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. Nothing gets me quite as excited as that rare feeling when I find an anime series that I cannot put down. And I just want to keep binging it and I'm just absolutely addicted and I'll finish an episode and I have to watch the next one. And I don't think anything gets me quite as excited as that. It doesn't happen too often, but when I get that series where I'm like, oh my fucking God, I have to see the next one. It's a certain buzz that I don't actually get from a lot of other things really. It's, it's just a really fun feeling. Um, and I, I, I think I ended up, I started watching anime when I was about 16, so... It's been a little over 10 years now. Um, and yeah, like it's, um, oh no, a little, a little over 11 years even, because um, my maths is terrible. Um, like, yeah, it's just, I, I started watching and the first thing I watched was A Certain Magical Index, which was a terrible introduction to Apple. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, not a great show, but at the time I was like, oh, this is cool. But I, I was just kind of approaching it from like, oh, it's a cartoon and it's fun. Um, but obviously, you know, the more I saw, the more I started to realise uh, there's better shows out there and I've, I've kind of refined my taste over time into things that I enjoy more. Um, but yeah, there's certain shows that just inspire me every day. Not a, not a day goes by that I don't think about One Piece and, and, and like um, just things like that. It's, it's had such a big effect on me and I can't say the same for a lot of other things. I mean, there's video games I love, but I don't think about them daily. There's musicians and artists I love, but I don't think about them daily, but there's certain shows that every day they'll come into my head because it's just such a 
an exciting thing. I can just pull up YouTube clips and binge watch stuff. It's just just so much fun. I just love it. I, I find a lot of live action shows just for me, hour long episodes, they're just too slow and too obvious to get through. But a good anime that's just punchy and straight to the point is just so, so addictive and so easy to binge watch. Um, and yeah, I, I, I love it. Just big fan, big fan of the anime. <laughs> So, so when, when you, when you're finishing up either a one piece chapter or a one piece episode, what, what are you, what are you walking away feeling as what, what's the emotion you're feeling in that moment when you walk so away from that episode or my, chapter? My process is like, I, <laughs> I will check early on Reddit to find the one piece spoilers of the next manga chapter because I'm so excited to know what happens. I'll read the spoilers. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh shit, that sounds good. Then I'll read the chapter when it leaks and then I'll watch the episode on Crunchyroll when oh, it airs. Um, so I get the full shebang and, and yeah, just every time it's just, I, I never walk away without a smile on my face. Um, it's, you know, every time I end a one piece episode, I'm never happy for it to end. So it's like, oh, I want to watch more. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's always like, oh, there we go for another week. Um, same with the chapters. It's just, you know, I finished reading a chapter. It's like, that was great. What happens next though? Tell me more. And it's difficult with the chapters because it's like, Atra Oda literally hasn't written the next one yet. It is literally not drawn, so there's only so much you can do. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's just really, really brilliant. Um, just for me, it's just been such a positive thing. Um, and yeah, it's, it's also, it's led me to meeting friends like you guys. So yay. Yay, mm. yay friendship is the power of friendship. What about <laughs> you, Kyle? So for me, um, honestly, like the thing about anime has... Like, yes, I, I like anime, and you know, if I had more time, I'd watch way more shit, and you know, I collect figurines and all of that. But for me, the impact that anime has had has honestly been the culture around it um, and the community around it. And it's really just been very fun to see it come out more into the mainstream and see people talking about this openly and, you know, brands recognizing it uh vtubers being as big as they are it's just a much wider thing than it was when i was a kid um and i really appreciate that and allows like a really good opportunity for people online to be able to connect with other people who have the same kinds of sensibilities sense of humor taste and all of that um and for me like it really was like a large part of my work um and has been slash will be a large part of my work um (laughs) Because, yeah, in my time here at Xbox, it's been really fun to interact with all of the fucking weebs online um, on social. And, yeah, I, I you know, haven't uh, talked about it on the podcast yet, but I will be working um, at Sega uh, on an unannounced Japanese mobile RPG, which is super fun, right? Because it's like, you know, Gotcha is super huge and all of the people. And, like, I may not be as big into Gotcha or anime as, like, some other people, but what I do really appreciate are the kinds of people and communities that come up around it. So I'm thinking here, imagine if we, we, we yoint any like trace of anime out of your soul. Okay. Um, at, at your Xbox mm. position. Yeah. How, mm-hmm. how would you be looking at your position at Xbox now? If like, there was no anime left in your soul. Like you weren't, you weren't making. Oh, I mean, I can still like do it well enough. Um, it just wouldn't be me. (laughs) Um, I mean, obviously, but they're, they're, and like, it's not like, 
anime is like the the big defining thing about me. Like there's a lot of other stuff I enjoy, but there's definitely like it, it's a large part of it. Right. Um, and there's a large part of how I talk uh, that is very much informed by uh, the kind of media I consume and the people uh, in those communities. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to say just because it's simultaneously a large and very small part of what I am and who right. I am. I, I would say that anime has has given me a, a greater appreciation of, of diversity in all things in life. And I, I don't what I what I mean by that is that you you look at various different anime series and there the the creativity involved in them is literally endless between the art styles, the worlds they create, the stories they tell. Um, the, the sky's the limit in in regards to anime. Um, and all too often you will, yes, granted there is like the very generic anime style, of course, where many, many shows, different series will look the same, but the vast majority of them will also have wildly different, um, art styles. Like we talked about science, Saru before us and trigger as well. And just like how they really push the boundaries of what animation is capable of, or then you, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have uh, studios like Mappa or Wit Studio that are really trying to capture the uh, dynamic nature of of life in a way. Like what ca- what what about real life can we capture in an animated form? Um, and I, I I never stop being astounded by that. I, I never stop being astounded by this sheer variety that anime has to offer. And that's it's given me a greater appreciation of looking for the that variety of experiences in, in my life as well. Like wanting to try different things, wanting to go out of my way to to do things. Like when I started writing for Goomba Stomp, I, I started doing that because I had been keeping a blog for a while. I'm like, let, let's try, I want to try writing for some greater platform. Let's. I, I want to be able to see what that's like, being less afraid to give things a shot. I started drawing recently because I was tired of being jealous of other of artists. I'm like, what's stopping me from giving a shot myself? I want to see if I can... Um, create my own drawings as well. And now I'm tweeting out pieces to VTubers and they're liking and retweeting it, which is really cool. Um, like anime has definitely had a profound impact on how I, I view things around me and just how much I I treasure the experiences I, I go through in that regard. That That's in kind of like a figure sense and more of a concrete sense, like anime in a weird way has kind of like directed me to my current career path in a funny way, like granted, mm-hmm. my job has nothing to do with anime whatsoever. I'm a cancer biologist. I research cures for cancer, essentially. But the the way I got to biotech industry in general is really funny because when I started writing for Goomba Stomp, which again, I started writing from Goomba Stomp because I was keeping a blog, which is both video games and anime. Um, so anime was like half of the reason I started writing for Goomba Stomp. So I was on there and then one of the writers at the time... Um, He's no longer with Goomba Stump. I'm forgetting his name. Uh, anyways, he just made a it went off a suggestion in workplace at the time. I was like, hey, why don't we share our LinkedIn profiles with each other? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I should do that. And then I realized I haven't updated my LinkedIn like <laughs> forever. And so I, I updated my LinkedIn at that moment and along with the Goomba Stomp thing. And then the very next day, I got a message from a recruiter for the Boston Cambridge area for biotech. Uh, wow. Because I just updated my LinkedIn. It's like, hi, I saw your profile. I was wondering if you were interested in discussing potential opportunities in the 
Cambridge area. I'm like, you know what? I actually was thinking about moving on from my academic lab position. Let's see what's out there. And so I moved from academic um, Harvard lab into industry. And I've really been enjoying working in biotech and industry. And that's only because I made that change. Granted, I probably would have made that change in my LinkedIn eventually for one reason or another, but I made it at that moment because I was writing for Goomba Stomp, because really, I was writing really cool about anime. I never knew that. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And so that's that's where I think back on that. It's like, where would I be right now if, if not for that? Would I still, would I have gotten in, into industry later on or would I have gone off and done something completely different? I don't know. Um, so anime has had a very like, defined and real impact in my actual life as well, my career path. And I, I think back on that. Um, and I just think that's, that's very magical in a way. So yeah, that, that's, that's how, that's how anime has affected my life. <laughs> that's really, really cool. Vavid has like led you to work as well. Mm -hmm. And the more I've worked in industry as well, like I, I, I really like industry. My passion is still like, in video games and anime though. So like all this time, I'm still like looking for that breakthrough. That's why I started mm -hmm. Twitch streaming as well um, to try to be more involved in that space. But um, it, it'll, it'll always be a part of me. I know a lot of people eventually grow out of anime and a lot of my friends are starting to grow out of it as well. And I understand it totally. Uh, but I, I honestly don't, I honestly don't see myself ever growing out of it. And I don't for a moment think that's a bad thing. Oh, yeah, I, I don't I, know. I've always had the idea of like growing out of something a bit weird. It's, it's like, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm 27 now. I know you guys are a little bit older than me, but I feel very confident in saying this is who I am. This is what mm -hmm. I like and who I am as a person. And, and the idea of if I just stopped liking something that I really, really enjoy currently, I'd consider that a very natural thing at this point. Um, I've been very consistent with what I like, like for a long time, since being a teenager, really. I do find it odd where some people go into adulthood and they just chop and change what they like on a whim. Because I think they're people who aren't secure with who they are and they aren't comfortable with who they are. Whereas I can quite confidently say, you know, since being a teenager, I've, you know, generally speaking, liked the same music, liked the same games, liked the same shows and the same entertainment. And, and that's continued into my adult life. I, I still, I'm still that same person. I've, I've, you know, grown up, sure, I've matured and I've become a wiser, better person, but... In terms of the things that make me happy and the things I enjoy, the entertainment that that uh, that clicks with me, it's that's still who I am. And and I think it's really important, whoever you are, just to like be true to yourself. And and you know you, you don't have to grow out of anything because you know what's growing mm. out of something and what is it forcing yourself to change because you think it's not appropriate. That was very well put, Harry. Mm -hmm. Yay. I can I can end this podcast on a nice, good, sensible note. Yes, that's 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 the message we want to end this podcast <laughs> on. Is like be be true to yourself, whatever your interests are. <laughs> um, don't don't let people judge you for them. Like like Kyle said with his open um, answers, like anime for a long time was more or less stigmatized as this very childish medium and to a point. Yeah, there it is childish, <laughs> um, but like ru ru rudimentally. So in the past, just like ridiculed as like, why would you watch such drivel essentially? Um, and now we've gotten to the point where we have anime shows on the front page of Netflix and it's some half of the most, 
half of the top 10 list of Netflix for 2021 were anime shows. And so it's definitely been growing in popularity and people are becoming, been realizing, I think, I think the shift that's happened in recent years is that people are realizing that anime isn't a genre. Yeah, yeah. Anime as a whole is not a genre. There are genres within anime, but anime itself is not a genre. And I think that was the main misconception I think the mainstream populace had of anime for a long time. It's like, oh, all Japanese animation is the same. It's like Dragon Ball or it's like just etchy... Love Hina Basically, nonsense Dragon Ball or, stuff or like hentai that. and nothing in between. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And now people are coming to realize that there's a lot of in between there. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of the different shades of a lot of different colors when it comes to anime. And again, that's going back to my answer. It's just like the sheer variety and diversity of it. Um, I, I just really appreciate it. And I love seeing that shift in, in the mindset. And of course, like there's still people that um are firmly against it and that's gonna there's always gonna be that um you can't change some people's minds but like it's it's a lot easier nowadays to be able to just say like yeah i like anime like nonchalantly not making a big deal mm-hmm. about it, not and not get weird looks and every so often it's like oh yeah i watched mm-hmm. like this show on netflix that's like oh i watched attack on titan because it's like the one that everyone knows um yeah people won't give you a weird look for it and be like why why would you waste your time on that <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I'm very curious to see where anime ends up in 10 years. That was actually another question I had on my list here. If we had time, which is like where we would want anime to be in another 10 years now, um, now that we finished retrospecting mm. in 10 years, but we're at the end of this episode right now. But yeah, that's, it, it's, it's fun to think about 10 years is a long time. 10 years is a long time. Scary to think about where we will be in 10 years, much less anime. Oh God. Mm. Yeah, 10 years ago, I graduated high school. Uh, uh. Got, nope, don't want to think about that. <laughs> I can't believe I, it, it's weird enough to think how long I've been out of college for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that will be a wrap to the final episode of Anime H1. That is the final time I will say final. For the last time. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Harry Morris. <laughs> Where can we find you? How can we follow uh, your dulcet tones even yeah. after this podcast go uh, off the waves? I'm Chorus and Music on Twitter. Um, I'm working on a new EP currently, very slowly, um, but I've got a new EP idea. I'm slowly drafting, so I'm hoping at some point, maybe in the first quarter of next year to maybe have something finished, but we'll just have to see. Um, but yeah, I post shit dance music occasionally that I've made, so <laughs> check it out. Um, like, yeah, uh, so comments and music on Twitter and, um, yeah, my, my final recommendation, uh, oh, what are we going to do? Like, like for, for a final recommendation, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, you have to, you have to give it to the one that you've always recommended. Yes. I mean, I, yeah, I, bring, I it all, bring it back I full circle. always recommend one piece, but in terms of life advice, I'm going to recommend, uh, just be nice to everyone. Uh, don't be a discriminatory mm. piece of shit accept everyone for who they are and the only thing you should ever judge someone on is are they a nice person they're anime oh, taste. They're anime taste but also are they a nice person are they friendly <laughs> are they respectful every other factor is irrelevant and doesn't ever define somebody's self-worth and if you think it does you're a dick um so yeah be nice to people uh live and let live love and let love and um live life with joy in your heart towards yourself and others and watch one piece 
Live and learn. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that new Sonic game looks really good, by the way. I, okay, wait, 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 final rant about Sonic. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. Um, I, yeah, it looks cool, but I've, I've thought that about every fucking Sonic game and I'm always disappointed. At this point, I have zero faith in Sonic Team as developers. So it, I don't get me wrong, it looks pretty, like a nice environment, cool open world. I'm, I'm feeling that, but. It all comes down to how will Sonic control? He'll probably control like shit because the only time he's ever controlled well in a 3D space is Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. It's the only time you've had fluid, fast-paced, chaotically fun control over him. So unless they replicate that control system, I think it's going to be janky and wonky and not particularly fun. But I, I hope it's well. It's not my I hope it's good. I, I, re- I really <laughs> hope it's good. I really do. Um, I want a good 3D Sonic game because I don't think there has been one since Sonic Adventure Two, which has been a long time. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful, but not confident. One one last spicy yeah, hot take yeah. from Harry. Kyle, where are you going? I will still be at like the rogue on social media, but instead of Xbox, you will probably be finding me on Sega handles, probably not the actual Sega brand itself, but you know, whatever game this fucking piece of shit gotcha is that I'm going to be working on. But yeah, uh, it's been real. And as far as recommendations for life and everything, yeah, you know what? Just echoing Harry, just be nice. You know, be, be nice. Be appreciative of each other and watch your camp. There we go. <laughs> That's the most important stuff right there. We could all, we'll all be better people if we watch your camp mm-hmm. and final. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. And last but not least, it is I musing Mojack, Matthew Pontier. Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Musing Mojak, M-U-S-I-N-G-M-O-J-A-C-K. Also, the anime editor on Goomba Stomp. That will still continue even after this podcast has been been buried in the ground. The, all the episodes, by the way, will still be available for listening even af, even long after our popping of subscription has been halted. The, those episodes will still be up there. You can always go back to them. Go back to our very first episode when we were just naive little weeblets not knowing what to do in the podcast world. I don't know what accent I was going for there. Uh, but other than that, you can also find me on Twitch at Musing Mojack as well. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday streams, art streams on Wednesday. Uh, if you want, you can hear my, my dulcet tones there if you can't get enough of my voice. You can see my wonderful face as well, in fact. Um, but yes, those are the places you can continue to find me. Uh, if you want to give a support, leave a comment. This is the time. Shout out to The Void. Let us know what you thought about this, this wacky journey we had. Final piece of advice I will leave is be not only kind, but empathetic to your peers as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Try to see things where um, through their eyes as well. Put yourself in their shoes. Watch Fruits Basket if you need a a lesson in empathy. (laughs) Um, And keep watching anime. Thank you for tuning in. And someone was banging on my ceiling just now. (laughs) So thank you for tuning in. They're clapping for us. Yes, exactly. It's a final final clap. And keep watching anime. Ciao.